Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Bolden here. So glad to have you here with us today for episode 405 of the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, I am joined by uh, one of our fan favorites, uh, Mr. Eric Ream. You know, he's, he's kind of like family here at the Speaker Lab. And uh, today, we're going to be talking about a very important topic that we've been hearing a lot about. You've probably been seeing a lot yourself. We're going to talk about how to recession-proof your speaking business. Now, it's a fact. There's there's just a lot of uncertainty right now. If you've been following the news at all, you just hear a lot of buzz about inflation and the economy and recessions and depressions and yada, yada, yada. So how can you be certain that your business can sustain an economic roller coaster? That's the question that we're going to be answering with today's conversation. We're going to break down the ways that organizations typically respond in a recession, how a recession impacts operations for companies, and also why we can't respond to external circumstances because of internal fears. We all want to know about how a potential recession is going to impact us as speakers. And so Eric's going to take us on a deeper dive into the organizational mindset and priorities in these economic times and what that means for travel, existing partnerships, and how you as a speaker can thrive in the midst of it all. We're also going to unpack the value of virtual gigs, how to invest in your marketing assets, and what to do about fees when times are tough. There's a ton to unpack here for the new and seasoned speaker alike. You're going to love this episode. It's going to give you the confidence that you need to build a sustainable business amidst the unexpected. So let's get right to it. Here's my conversation all about a potential recession and the speaking industry with Eric Ream. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Bolden here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Good to have you here with us today. We got a uh, fan favorite back in the house. Today, we're talking with the dream dream himself, Mr. Eric Reem. Uh, thanks for joining us today, buddy. How are you? It's great to be here, Grant. How many times have I been on now? I don't I, know. It's got to be a record. Am I Am I one of the, you know, where am I at on that? You know, on like SNL, after a certain number of hosting times, they give them like a, a jacket. You know, that's yeah. what we need to do. We need to get that, you a special jacket. That's what I can't wait. Happen. We'll send it we'll, over, man. We'll get your sizes and send it your way. All right. So uh, we have been hearing a lot from students and just the industry right now and, and even beyond just the speaking industry. We've been hearing a lot about the economy and what's going to happen. Is there a recession? Are we in a recession? And what's going to happen? What are the next several you know weeks, months, years look like? Uh, how does that affect everybody? But certainly, how does that affect the speaking industry? And so uh, we've been having a lot of different conversations, kind of put our heads together. Uh, there's some things that you've been seeing as well about the economy and kind of um, uh, what your pulse is on things as well. And so uh, that's really what today's conversation is about, is about how to recession-proof your speaking business. And so one of the things I like about the speaking industry is it has been around longer than 
both of us has been alive. Anybody listening has been alive. It's it's uh, lived through recessions and depressions and 9-11 and uh, wars and pandemic. And so there's there's just kind of these like economic ebbs and flows, these real world ebbs and flows that, that just happen. They're just part of life. And so the speaking industry has survived and thrived through, through all of them. The speaking industry is still here and doing better than ever. And I know even for me, when I first got started, I got started in like uh, mid 2000s. And so I had been a full-time speaker for about a year or two when the great recession happened. And I remember going to um, actually the National Speakers Association, their national convention. And it was just kind of like this heavy cloud hanging over the entire event of just like, dang, what's going to happen? And yet, you know, here we are and, and just coming out of a pandemic and the speaking industry is still fine. Like it continues to to thrive. And so what's kind of your sense right now and kind of what you're seeing uh, and kind of even uh, what, because I know like you've made your own transition a few years ago. And so I think uh, as speakers, as just entrepreneurs, as business owners, we always kind of have this, you know, a sense of, I don't know if fear is the right word, but just kind of a sense of the unknown. We have, we have no idea what tomorrow holds and what things are going to look like. So kind of where where's your head at uh, on all this? Well, if you think about Grant, when I texted you a few years ago, 2019, uh, you were really good to me during that time where you were very kind and gracious with your time. And I would text you crazy questions every now and then. And I remember texting you and saying, Grant, I think um, I think I might want to go full time. And I, I remember you saying, dude, you should have went full time like a year ago. What are you waiting for? You need to do this. And I said, yeah, but I'm not sure if it's real. And you texted back and said, it's real. And part of the problem, Grant, the reason why I didn't want to uh, go full-time was I was building my business during really good economic times. And so I kept wondering, well, what happens if something goes bad in the, uh, with, uh, with the economy? Am I still going to be able to survive? So that really made me nervous. Well, I in March of 2019, I became a full-time speaker based on your uh, support. And I uh, think was were going great. And then until I hit 2020 and we had the COVID uh, situation, the pandemic, and I hit a brick wall. So I literally, my business was tested, you know, it was tested. Would it be able to survive? And not only did I survive during it, Grant, but I, th I thrived as a result of it. And, and you and I were talking, one of the reasons why you want to put this together is I learned a lot during that. I learned a lot of what it takes to survive when the economy goes south and a global pandemic pretty much stress tested, you know, my business and your business at the speaker lab and a lot of speakers business. So what we're going to do is we're going to unpack that today. It's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. So first of all, let's start by just defining a recession. And so a recession is a, a temporary economic decline during which trade and industrial activity are reduced, generally identified by the fall in GDP in two successive quarters. And so uh, the GDP is one of those things that is measured. Uh, and typically, we don't find out uh, until after the fact whether or not we're in a recession. In fact, I learned recently, there's actually a, a committee that actually determines way after the fact whether or not we are in a recession. So we may be in a recession right now. Now, maybe not. It's tough to say. Inflation is super high, supply chain issues, yada, yada, yada. Um, but the, the bottom line is there's some type of strain that seems to be happening right now. And so, Eric, I'm curious from your perspective, what are some of the things that, that when something like this happens of kind of what we're feeling, experiencing, kind of sensing right now, what are the ways that organizations typically respond that we need to be thinking about? Yeah. What I've seen from my perspective, is there's three ways in which organizations are going to respond. The first one are the organizations that are really directly affected by the recession. There are just some industries that are going to be hit by it. it just, you can't avoid it. And so what happens during that time, they got to, they shrink their business operations. They make deep cuts, usually letting, laying people off, cutting down operational experience, uh, expenses, just try to get through it. So that's a real thing. 
But the other two is a little different. The second one is second way organizations respond is they fear the recession. So fears are very, a very real thing for people, right? Mm-hmm. And we respond out of fear. I don't know why we feared running out of toilet paper during COVID, but I wouldn't got mine. Did you get yours? Absolutely. I just went with it, right? So I don't, I, I'm like, why is this a thing? I guess it's a thing. There must be a toilet paper paper committee out there I didn't know about that tells us it's going to be bad. So it, fear will really motivate folks. And so let me give you a quick story on that. So I remember yeah. like uh, March 2020 uh, that when things had really started to escalate, and I, I, I know remember, where you're going. This is a funny I, story. <laughs> I remember going to Costco uh, on like Friday, the the 12, March 12th or 13th, whatever that day was, or something. And, uh, I remember just, you know, you just, there's a frenzy of people there and you're just buying anything and everything. And I came home with like a thousand baby wipes, just a case of baby wipes. And my wife was like, why did you buy that? I was like, everybody was buying them. And I thought we would like, you need them to disinfect things. And she's like, no, no, no. Cleaning wipes and baby wipes are two different things. Don't you ever put cleaning wipes on a baby? And so all that to say, we are two and a half years later, we still have the majority of those wipes. But anytime we go into that box and we pull out some some baby wipes, I'm like, see, we're getting through them. It's going to take us a minute. But two and a half years later, we still have that case of baby wipes. That is awesome. I love that story. And so, but the point, like, but like the point being, like, just it was the fear of just like everybody's doing this. I feel like there was no rational need to buy a thousand baby wipes, but the irrational side of everybody's doing it and it feels like something that needs to happen. And so, to your point, yeah, it seems like this is a time where people are going to make decisions out of fear Mm -hmm. and not necessarily out of based on reality. Right. And so what they do is when organizations start to fear, they say, okay, we need to start thinking about some of our discretionary expenditures. And sometimes uh, that includes training and travel and traveling to events. And so unfortunately, good, bad, or you know, irrational, rational organizations may cut back just out of fear. The third one is organizations also want to make sure that optically they're not putting themselves out there for criticism. So they may think, well, is this the best time to be sending, you know, our leadership team to Vegas when maybe our stockholders or shareholders are like, hey, I thought they were going through a recession. So just optically, they're going to make some decisions and they'll cut back on expenditures just to avoid criticism. A good example of that I remember when I worked uh, at a utility. Uh, I needed to get some really critical training. It just happened to be Grant in Key West, Florida. And my boss like, nope, I'm not sending you there. If the newspaper gets a hold of that, they would crush me. Wait till it's somewhere part of the country nobody wants to go to, then you can go to it. So I did. It was somewhere in the Midwest about a year later, and I went and got the training just to avoid a potential criticism of sending an employee to Key West, Florida. So that's a really, that's a very real thing. So those three are ways that, again, organizations just kind of primarily respond across the board. But let's, let's again, kind of dig down a little bit further here. What does that mean exactly for the speaking industry? So, so what are some ways that you see this playing out, again, over the next several months and years for the speaking industry? Yeah. So here's some things to expect as a speaker, as you're kind of just kind of preparing yourself what may happen over the next few months. Number one is organizations are going to change their priorities and their behavior, right? And it's usually going to affect travel. That's usually what happens. Um, And what that means, and this is what it looks like, and I've seen this grant happen many times where maybe typically as an employee, I may get four or five opportunities to travel and go to a workshop here, maybe to go to a conference here. Well, they may say, well, you only get one time to travel. You only get to go to one place. So instead of four, you get one. So that they change their behavior. Uh, Conference attendees, attendance declines. So what that means is revenue for the conference declines. And guess what? That gets passed down to speakers. So if they're they're losing revenue, they're expecting speakers to adjust to that. 
What I've learned is travel workshops decline or disappear. And why is that? Well, if I'm an employee and I only get one event to travel to, I tend to lean more towards the conference as a workshop, as opposed to a workshop, because at a workshop, you got to sit in there for four or five hours. You can't go anywhere. Right. But at a conference, they've got receptions. They've got other side things they can do. They don't have to attend everything. They may get to go, uh, go sit by the pool. That's more of a, a treat for an attendee. So what I've discovered is that workshops in my own personal experience tend to decline, but the conferences tend to stay a little stronger during those downtimes. Uh, locations that tend to be exotic tend to go away. So maybe like Vegas or San Diego, California, Hawaii, places that seem really cool. Those tend to decline a little bit, but the ones in Indianapolis, I can say that because I'm from Indiana, they'll let you go to Indy, right? Because that's not as big of a deal. It's cheaper to go there. So those tend to thrive uh, while the exotic locations tend not to. So what I've learned also though, is that speakers that have existing partnerships, we're going to talk about this a little bit more in a second, Grant, but if you have existing partnerships with event planners, those type of speakers tend to thrive because what I found is event planners tend to lean into what they know and like. So when things get tough, they want to go to what's predictable. So if you've got existing relationships, you, you tend to thrive better during that time. Training budgets don't go away. This is important to remember during, during economic downtime, recessions, pandemics, the training budgets stay pretty solid. Usually what disappears are the travel budgets and that's what affects speakers. That's why it's important. You need to have a strategy to chase those training dollars when travel still goes away and still be profitable during a, during a downtime. Yeah. I think again, going into this, there's a lot of similarities between now and what we felt a couple of years ago with the pandemic, you know, once the, the dust started to kind of settle after a few months and we kind of realized, okay, we're, you know, this is not going to uh, extinguish the world's population. Uh, then there's also just kind of a, a fear of the unknown. So everybody's tightening their dollars and their wallets a little bit more and hanging on to things. But again, even in the midst of that, that there can, there still continue to be speakers who continue to crush it. You're a great example of that, of you continue to be, uh, if I remember correctly in 2020, 2021, you're as booked as ever. And even now into, you know, we're recording this halfway through 2022, it's been a, a monster, monster year for you. So in spite of what's happened, uh, again, there's a lot of opportunities that continue to exist. In addition, you know, one of the, the, one of the, the, best things to come out of the, the pandemic for the speaking industry was virtual. We're going to talk more about that in a second, but pre-pandemic virtual wasn't really a thing. Pandemic hits, virtual becomes the only game in town. And what we have seen now, again, two and a half years later, is that as live events have come back, they've not come back in replacement of virtual, but they've come back in addition to virtual. And so now you have a lot more opportunities and a lot more flexibility for speakers of what it is that you can offer versus just being dependent on just in-person events. So I think virtual, you know, if a, if a recession is really going to hit, I think virtual is going to play a, a much bigger part. And again, we're going to, we're going to talk more about that. So let's do this. You've got a, a five different strategies that speakers need to be considering, thinking about leaning into right now in order to thrive during a recession. You've thrived through a pandemic. Let's talk about thriving through a recession. So let's start this, uh, let's dig into this. What's the first key strategy that speakers need to be thinking about and pursuing? All right. Number one, invest in yourself. Uh, Warren Buffett said this. He said, the most important thing you can do when the economy is not doing well is to invest in yourself. The reason for that is that your skill set that you personally have, and if you can upgrade that, is the most important asset for your future economic success. So this is the time to make yourself more attractive uh, to potential employers or event planners by upgrading some things that are involved in your business. So here's some things that you can do to invest in yourself. Number one is, and I heard a lot of speakers do this, including myself during the pandemic, 
is you want to upgrade your marketing assets. So this is a good time to maybe brush up your professional headshots, you know. Uh, by the way, you and I were just talking about losing weight. My professional headshots are like 20 pounds ago. I, I mourn the loss of my former self. So maybe I need to update that. Maybe I, maybe this is going to be my new weight. I need to update that. So now's the time to uh, update your professional headshots, your demo video. Maybe you want to clean that up. Maybe your demo video. In fact, I heard an event planner tell me they recommend that you uh, upgrade your video once a year. It should be annual. So if you got a two or three-year-old video, maybe now's the time. Maybe your website needs to be cleaned up a little bit. Uh, abstracts. By the way, we have a, a whole episode on abstracts. I'll give you, I don't know if you have that or not, but we have a whole episode on abstracts. So maybe now's the time to um, update your abstracts. Your testimonials. So you, you can clean that up and go through past surveys, uh, where you had testimonials and start cleaning those up and getting those put together because nothing can sell you more than other people testifying the fact that you know what you're doing. If you got some good updated ones, that's good. Update your references. So people that are willing to, to speak to other event planners said, yeah, I've worked with Grant in the past. He was fantastic. So now's a good time to do that. So that's one thing. Well, ahead, let me Grant. jump in on that. Yeah. Well, um, whenever it comes to updating your, your marketing assets, especially you know, headshots, demo video, website, those type of things, if the economy is to really go south, potentially, then one of the things that that creates is it creates um, some potential job opportunities. If people are looking for things, they're looking for some some uh, non-speaking, but just gigs. That, so you're going to have videographers and photographers who are going, boy, I'd, I'd love to do something. And maybe they're doing it for a discounted rate or a lower rate. And so there's going to be some of those opportunities where uh, you can, you can uh, improve some of those things at a discounted rate. Also, within some of our programs, we actually create your demo video and your website for you. So if you're thinking like, I know I need a new website, I know I need a new demo video, or I don't have those at all. And I know I need them. Uh, I just don't even know where to begin. That's kind of where I was at several years ago when I was getting started of just like, I know I need these. I'm tech savvy, but I, I don't know how to make a website. I don't know how to make a demo video. And so, um, so within our programs, we actually take those things completely off your plate and make your demo video, make your website for you. So uh, what are some other ways that we can be investing in ourselves? Write a book based on your signature message. Every speaker needs to get here eventually. I've I had some veteran speakers multiple times tell me that. So if you look at some of the best speakers out there, the ones that are commanding really good uh, fees, they all ha have a book on their signature message. In fact, during the pandemic, when we went down to spring break, right when it happened in March, my wife drove. We went to Florida. That's like, I think, a 13-hour drive or maybe a 10-hour drive. I literally wrote my book. I don't know if I ever told you this or not, but I wrote a book driving to Florida and back. Hmm. So that book was published as a result of me writing it in the car and it really helped elevate me. So what I would recommend is, you know, look at self-publishing or hybrid. I think that's really the way to go for the majority of speakers. Not everybody's like you, or you, you have this fantastic network and you can publish a book like what you did, Grant. But I find that self-publishing or hybrid um, is the way to go to get your book out there quickly. And that helps elevate your credibility. Nothing provides credibility more than being an author. We respect authors even more than PhDs. When you read somebody or meet somebody who's written a book, that elevates them. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, to, to, to piggyback on the self-publishing thing, um, and I think you're aware of this, but we had uh, the successful speaker we had traditionally published a couple of years ago, in fact, right at the beginning of the pandemic, February 2020. Um, and since then, we've worked with the publisher to actually reacquire the rights back to it. So now it is technically a self-published book. Uh, and so the reason being is it gives us a lot more uh, flexibility and autonomy of what we can do with it. We can uh, makes it a little bit simpler to get it into the hands of people. So uh, I, I totally agree that I think self-publishing is going to be a, a better fit for 99% of the audience. 
Yeah. Awesome. And the next thing I would recommend is upgrade your credentials. All right. Where appropriate. So I, I know like the National Speaker Association has uh, certifications that you can go through that really adds credibility as you as a speaker. If you have a specific uh, field that you're in that has certifications associated to it, now's maybe the time to, if you've been thinking about getting the certification in a certain area, get that certification. If that's going to elevate you as an expert more, then go ahead and get that. The other thing I'd recommend is hire a coach or go through a training program. You know, there's a lot of things you don't know. There's blind spots, right? And so now's the time to fill in those blind spots. You could maybe go through like a stagecraft program. I know we have something like that where you to- you teach folks on, you know, really how to upgrade your presentation skills. Maybe that's something you need to really invest in. Or maybe you're a really good speaker, but you just don't have the business side of things down. You really just need to hone your craft on how can I really run an efficient business? During downtimes is not the time to be sloppy. You need to clean some things up. So you may need a coach or a training program to help you with that. Or maybe you got those things down, but you're just not really good at marketing yourself and you just need some help with that. Stop fighting it. Find find a, a program that trains you on it or a coach that can help you with marketing and prospecting. All those things are things that you can work on. So those are things I'd recommend as far as investing in yourself. Yeah. We hear it all the time here at the Speaker Lab from speakers who reach out and saying, hey, I just need a coach. I just need someone that can help me, someone that can guide me. I need some help with leads. And that's, again, that's stuff that uh, I'm, I'm not trying to toot our own horn, uh, but I am going to toot our own horn and say that like, that's what we do. And, and so if that's the stuff that you're looking for help with, then definitely uh, let us know. Uh, okay. So the first one, again, investing in yourself. What's the second key strategy we need to be paying attention to right now through a, a potential recession? Go virtual. Let me say it again, Grant. Go virtual. All your spell. You're, you you're hardcore on the virtual train. And again, Big when the, and, and again, a lot of this came out of the pandemic. So when the pandemic first hit, and everyone for that first month or two, March, April was just like, dang, what like what do we do now? Especially in the speaking industry. And you're a great example of someone who really quickly leaned into the virtual thing for those first few months. The whole speaking industry was trying to, to figure out the virtual world. And it was very much the wild, wild west. We talked a lot about that here on the show. So if you want to hear uh, some true fear and voices trying to figure something out, go back and listen to those episodes in 2020. But virtual has played out to be a, a real viable option for speakers. And so uh, not just in a pandemic or, or uh, when the economy is good, but in all types of economies, uh, virtual can be a real option. In fact, we've seen a ton of statistics that just prove out that there's been massive, massive growth in the virtual uh, uh, virtual market and, and virtual speaking opportunities. So it's definitely something that the world is much more accustomed to now than they were even pre pandemic. So when you say vir- uh, go virtual, like what, what exactly does this mean for a speaker and how should we be considering this or, or playing this out? Okay. So what does it mean for a speaker? Well, here's one thing, Grant, is if you go virtual, you're going to separate yourself from other speakers. The bottom line is there's some speakers that just don't, aren't, aren't or for whatever reason, and I think it's a mistake, they're not embracing it. So if you can come to an event planner with virtual as one of your skill sets, one of your tools in there, it just opens up a lot more value that you can add to an event planner. So here's some things that it does for you. Here's some opportunities that it opens. Number one is uh, just virtual events themselves. So events that are going virtual for whatever reason, uh, they decided we're going to, if you don't have a way to deliver in a virtual setting, you've eliminated yourself now from that because you're not available for that. So that just opens up those opportunities. The other thing, what it does and what I found, I didn't realize this was going to be the case, but once I had a virtual studio, it allowed me to do a lot of things with video I'd never even done before that was very professional and high quality. 
like doing cohorts, for instance, where I could uh, unpack a topic and do a series with a group of folks and take them through a cohort. That was something I never able to, was able to do before. I, I started creating some really quick online courses that are really paying off that I didn't have before just because I had a virtual studio. So what I started doing is I was delivering topics. I would record those and then turn those into online courses, doing drip series for organizations where they wanted to continue the journey and have me you know, pre-record some videos that they were willing to pay for that they can send out to their employees, doing workshops, deep dive virtual workshops. Grant, this is going to be hard to believe. I know you're going to love this, but I've, I've got a six-hour workshop virtually that is off the charts popular. Could you imagine hanging out with me for six hours virtually? That's a long time, but I'm sure somebody's willing to pay for it. <laughs> Yeah, enough people are uh, and it's fantastic. And so that's, that's another opportunity that you can do. Now, here's what I love about virtual that I did not take uh, into account. I just did out of fear in the beginning, like you mentioned, but it made me more profitable and it increased my revenue. How? Well, first of all, the obvious travel. Uh, number one, it, it, it gave me time back. You know, sometimes we can be time poor as speakers because we're traveling and we're away from our families. So it gave me time back that I never had before. That was awesome. And you can't, put tangent, you can't put a number to that. That is fantastic, right? I mean, you always talk about how many sleeps is daddy going to be away? How about zero sleeps? Because you're right downstairs doing your virtual. Well, the other one, just, one other thing, just to jump in on there as it relates to travel is right now, if people are traveling much, you see that travel is stupid expensive right now, especially oh, yeah. with flights. In addition to just the unknowns, you hear constantly about the delays and the cancellations and the rebooking and just the nightmares that speakers and just people you know, across the world are experiencing whenever it comes to the travel industry. So there's a real strain in the travel industry right now. And so again, by by sticking to virtual, you are, you remove a lot of those potential obstacles and barriers. Yeah. $1,781 was my last plane ticket. $1,781. So, that's right. To go to a virtual Golly. event. I mean, that's not crazy. to virtual, to go to a live event. That's crazy. Um, so create uh, another one is virtual stacking. This is something I, t I didn't realize either. Like, you know, my traditional model would be, I would travel to Boston do a gig there. Then I'd be in Aspen, Colorado, do a gig there. And I may swing back to San Antonio on my way back. So I got three gigs in. That's fantastic. But that was a full week. Now I could do those all before lunch. Yeah. I could speak to Boston in the morning, a little bit later in the morning. I could speak to Aspen, Colorado. And a little bit later that day, I could speak to San Antonio and I'm out playing Frisbee golf with my kids that afternoon. That is fantastic. Um, and so that was awesome. And then another thing that really has helped me once things opened up again, I started doing more live events was I still brought virtual to add value to that live events. So let me give you an example. I did a workshop down in Alabama. Normally I charge uh, 20,000 for this type of event. Now what I did was I did a virtual session with the leadership team before the event a week before. And then afterwards I did three uh, 90 minute sessions with the entire, in fact, I'm doing one of them this week and I was able to upcharge him another five grand. So what normally was 20,000, I add a little bit of more virtual component to it on top of the live and I add it and it was able to charge him 25,000. So I was able to be, I can add more value, be more creative and bring more information to uh, my client using that virtual component. So that was fantastic. So something that we just have to realize, Grand, is that virtual is not slowing down. It is not going away. In fact, some of the statistics you mentioned earlier, you ready for this? They're predicting by 2030, it's going to be $657 billion industry. Come wow. on, somebody. That's a lot. Crazy. Uh, in 2022, this year, it's $139 billion industry. And you ready for this? The North American market of that is 40%. Mm. Come on, man. I mean, the numbers are right there. So it's not going away. So if you want to be a viable, credible, professional speaker grant, you got to have virtual to be a part of it. If not, guess what? I'm going to get the gig you're supposed to get because I've got a virtual component. So don't let that happen. 
And then uh, finally, here's what I believe. I truly believe this. If you really want to make your business recession proof, virtual is recession proof. Because like I said earlier, training budgets don't go away. Travel budgets do. So there's still a desire to get training. If you've got the virtual way of doing that, you can add value with people not having to travel, with you not having to travel and re- remain viable during the down economy. And again, we, I know we just covered this, but uh, I mean, you think back to literally just in the past two years that whenever the pandemic hit, that all of a sudden travel budgets stopped. Nobody was getting on planes. Nobody was meeting together in person, but live, uh, but, but virtual events continued to happen. Training continued to happen. Things continued to take place. So it wasn't that all of a sudden everything literally came to a screeching halt. It did with live events, but it, it, it pivoted and transitioned to more virtual events. And so event planners, decision makers, organizations, groups, companies, churches, nonprofits, schools, all of it continued to book speakers. And one thing we talk a lot about is as speakers, we are more than just speakers. We are in the business of providing solutions, of solving problems. And so when whenever session happens or when a pandemic happens or whenever war happens, those problems don't stop. If anything, maybe they're amplified and there's becomes a greater need for speakers to come in and, and provide those. And so even as we're talking about virtual, again, we, we want to do more than just say, hey, you should be a virtual speaker. That's really important. Good luck. Like this is a core thing that we teach. And in fact, we have a, uh, a core program called virtual VIP that you help teach. And, and this is something that's not uh, like a pre-recorded course. This is something that's taught live. We have small group cohorts of, of 10, 15 students that go through this at a time with you where you're sharing, here's exactly what's working, not in the past, not like years and years ago. No, no. Here's what's working today. Because again, these are taught live, live classes where you're sharing what's working right now where you're walking through how exactly you're booking gigs, how you're finding them, how you're reaching out, what you're pitching. Even you you spend a lot of time going through your virtual setup. So cameras, lights, uh, microphones, all of that. You're really explaining. We bring in an outside expert who's a tech whiz on that to walk through and explain exactly what to do. So again, if that's something that, that, that you're looking for, virtual VIP is absolutely what you, what you need to be a part of. Uh, all right, let's keep cruising on here. Um, so again, we've talked about investing in yourself. Number two, going virtual. Number three, what is that one, Eric? Develop partnerships with event planners. Uh, last year, Grant, I had a record year. By the way, ever since I met you, by the way, you realize we, we've known each other for seven years now? Does it seem like a short time to you or has it been long and, and this arduous for you to know me for seven years? I don't know no, what, what your experience is. No, no comment. We'll just keep moving on. <laughs> but seven, ever, ever since I met you, this is a true story. I've had a record year in my business. So well done, my friend. Thank you for having that impact. And last year I set a record, by the way, I've made more money this year by the end of July this month. than I did all last year Wow. and 63% of my business is with existing clients. Wow. So think about how beautiful that is, is if you go into a year knowing that you, uh, the majority of your business is already secure because you've got a client base, partnerships, if you will, because I was intentional with it. So if you're a veteran speaker, here's what I recommend. Circle back with all event planners that hired you in the past. Go back to them and you need to offer solutions that help solve the most relevant issues they're dealing with right now as a result of the down economy, right? So if I worked with you two years ago, uh, Grant, I want to come back to you and say, Grant, I know based on my expertise, let's say, I know that you're experiencing issue A. I got a solution I want to help you with. I can I can solve that with a virtual uh, workshop that I've developed. Here's the abstract on it. I'd love to chat with you about it, right? Now, here's the thing you got to be prepared to do as you circle back with these event planners. This is going to be hard for some speakers to swallow, all right? But you're going to have to probably discount your fees, okay? 
And here's the primary reason for it. It's an optical thing. Okay. When things are struggling, when, when times are tough, everybody's tightening up their belt, if you will. Now's not the time to be seen as someone who's trying to use struggle as a way to become more profitable. You do not want to be seen that way. You want to get in the trenches with the people that you've partnered with in the past and show them that number one, you're situationally aware and you're reasonable because that's going to come back later tenfold. You're going to build trust and you're going to create a revenue stream that's going to keep you solvent during a downtime. Here's what you need to focus on, veteran speakers. Hear me on this. If you're a veteran speaker, you got to lean into prospecting, folks, and you got to be consistent and it's got to be daily. And so what are you going to be doing during those daily times? You're going to be reaching back to those uh, former event planners and you're going to ask them, hey, I got Well, tell them you've got the solution for them. And you're also going to ask for a referral and you got to be very specific. So Grant, what's that look like? Hey, Grant, I love working with you. Um, my business is word of mouth. And I know that you've got some other event planner friends that need the solution during this time. Can you give me one name or two names of people I need to reach out to? Who, who should I reach out to that you think I'd be a good fit for? You'll be amazed at how many event planners will serve you because they, want, they, they, they enjoy the partnership. They enjoyed working with you and they're willing to refer you. What do you think oh. of that? Yeah. One other thing to, to piggyback on that is people like sharing things that uh, have benefited them in some way. Okay. So for example, um, there's a, a movie that came out a few weeks ago, Top Gun. You've seen Top Gun, I believe. Of and course, it's like, on. it's it's a great movie, uh, but everybody's been talking about it. Not because like there's some, you know, some amazing special effect or there's, you know, the marketing is so, you know, magical or anything. It's just like, it's a quality movie and there's great, uh, it's a great storyline and action shots. And it ties into the original one from the eighties and yada, yada, yada. Uh, but people are talking about things that they like. People like sharing things when you come across a new show on Netflix or uh, a TV show or music or a podcast or a restaurant. Like you want to tell other people, you want to feel like you have this inside scoop and you're like, oh, you got to go check this out. In fact, literally a couple of days ago, I was catching up with a, um, a friend of mine. He's a, in a, at a major speakers bureau and we, ha we hang out every few months or so several months ago, uh, we were getting together and he said, Hey, what's a, a good, um, family resort. Uh, we will want to take our family on a vacation. Where should we go? And I mentioned this resort. I said, here's where you need to go. And I, I didn't think much of it, but I saw him literally a couple of days ago. And he said, Hey, that resort you told me about, we just got back from it. We had an amazing experience. And it just made me feel good of going, I made a recommendation. It worked out well for him. And so, you know, what that means is he's also going to come back to me for additional recommendations in the future. And so people like helping other people. Like that's just a normal human emotion, a normal human thing. And so when you are asking an event that you have worked with or an event planner that you've worked with before, and you've had a good rapport, a good connection, a good relationship, a good experience with, Hey, who else should I work with? They want to help you out. They want to help the other person out that they're going to be recommending you to. So absolutely this works, but it doesn't work unless you ask. If you just sit That's back right. and, and hope that people are going to magically tell other people about you, it's not that people don't want to help you. They just don't think of it. They're busy. They have their own things going on. So when you're proactively asking, it can absolutely uh, move, move the needle. That's awesome. Yeah. And how many times have you referred me to people, Grant? You've done that a lot. In fact, I come to you all the time and say, hey, who, who, who do you think I could help get help with on this? And you always help me out. So that's you're right about that. So let's talk about new speakers. So we cover veteran speakers, new speakers. Like, that's great, Eric, but I haven't done anything yet. So how do I build partnerships if I haven't done it yet? Well, here's what you got to do. Now's not the time to be vague. You got to get really clear on what you're about. And there's four key questions. We're going to go through these quickly. But I need you, I need you to hear what you got to answer these, what you got to go through. Number one is who is your audience? Be very clear on that. 
you can't say people. Okay. It's gotta be very specific. Like for instance, my audience is busy, professional uh, men and women between the ages of 35 and 55 in the utility industry. I have a very specific audience. You got to get that specific. What is your primary problem that you're solving, right? So what is the primary problem for that audience? And it should be relevant, by the way. It should be based on what's going on right now. Then what is your solution to that problem? And then finally, what is the promise of transformation? Get clear on that. Then what I want you to do is Go to our abstract episode. Have you pulled that up yet? I don't want to pull you on the spot, but what I'm episode is it? I'm pulling okay. it up right now here. So uh, I episode want you... 390, 390. Right. So go to episode 390 and then learn how to do an abstract. I want you to develop two abstracts, one primary and one secondary, the way we teach you in that episode. Then you're going to focus on prospect. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to do a power hour every single day. Consistency. The, the success is in consistency. For that hour, here's what you're going to do. You're going to do a groups of five. You're going to leverage your existing network, okay? Uh, people that you currently know, and you're going to use your abstract to get the conversation going. And then you're going to leverage associations. During uh, when things get tight, Grant, I think the fastest way to get on the speaker trail is through associations because they're everywhere and their business model is they got to train folks. So lean into your industry. Every industry has an association. So whatever industry you're on, you're in, go find that association in the state that you're in and, and reach out to those fake folks. Then what you're going to do is when you reach out to them, use one of those two abstracts as a way to start the conversation. Now, here's the thing. New speakers, hear me on this. Be prepared to speak at a discounted rate. And you ready for this? For free. Don't overthink this. You need to get your foot in the door to these relationships. It's going to pay off tenfold. Trust me on this. So what you're going to do is leverage uh, those events to start partnerships with these folks. You're going to get referrals from them because of it. You're going to get marketing assets. Remember, we said this is important. Mm -hmm. You're going to get testimonials. You're going to get videos. You're going to get pictures. You're going to get references. This is how you lay the groundwork moving forward. Yeah, I think uh, there's a big misconception around speaking for free. And so what we always tell speakers is that speaking for free is okay, caveat, as long as you know why you're doing it. Remember, you're running a business. You're, you're not running a nonprofit. Don't do this out of the goodness of your heart. So you have to, to do this uh, from a business perspective, meaning it's okay to do something for free, knowing that I'm going to provide something of value, but you have to receive something of value in exchange. And sometimes that comes in the form of a check. And other times there's other ways to receive that value. And again, this is exactly what we teach inside of our programs. I know I keep saying that, but if that's something that you're looking for help with, uh, whether you're a new speaker or a veteran speaker, uh, don't hesitate day to, to let us know. Okay. So we've talked about uh, investing in yourself. We've talked about uh, going virtual. We've talked about developing partnerships with event planners. Uh, Eric, what's number four? Right. And I know this is a heavy episode, Grant. This is a big meat sandwich, but it's full of protein. So take it. This is going to be helpful. Number four is secure finances, right? You got to be solvent. Listen, businesses fail because of cash flow. You got to have cash flow. So number one is you got to have positive cash flow. How do you do that? prospect, 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 prospect. I can't say this enough. I work, like you said earlier, I work with our VIP students. We talk about this every session, Grant. We got a prospect. What does that mean? That means you have to keep active prospective gigs in your pipeline. So we teach in our, our course on how to have a pipeline. There's five stages. We walk our students through that. You want to have prospective gigs in your pipeline at all times. Now, here's what you got to do. You got to have what I call the red line number, and you never want to drop below that. Just pick a number. For me, it's 40. So what does that mean? Every day I wake up, the first thing I do is I look at my pipeline. And if I have 
40 or less event perspective events, then I got to stop everything. And I got to ensure I got to have at least 40. Why is this important? Because if I'm running it through our system and the pipeline, there's always going to be gigs that come out on the other end of that. And 40 ensures that. So pick a number as a speaker. It could be 25. It could be 50. Whatever that is, that's got to be your number. You never drop below that. Now, here's a tip for new speakers. If you've got a job or a side hustle, lean into it get the cash. Don't be like what I hear some speakers and they're like, Hey, I'm, I'm just, I quit my job. I'm just going to be a speaker. Don't do that. Especially during a down economy, you got to pay the bills. Don't act out of desperation and never works. So whatever side hustle or whatever you got as a day job, keep that to pay the bills and build your speaking business on top of that. Get a coach or something like that's going to help you veteran speakers. What do you do? Leverage the skill set that you have to get any gig possible. Now's not the time to be prideful. Just get the gigs Keep the cash flow going. So maybe you got a skill set that you used to leverage a couple of years ago that you, that they'll be very relevant right now. Even though you don't want to do it, just do it. Get the gigs, get the cash flow, keep the cash flow coming in. All right. Now you what you got to do is once you get the cash flow in order, you you got to maintain a cash reserve. You know, two to six months. I know Grant, you're very conservative on this, and I'm so happy that you're this way for the speaker lab's sake. But for for me, two to six months cash flow in the bank. I just got to make sure I have some money in the bank to to keep me solvent. Cut unnecessary expenses. So for me as a speaker, I cut memberships. Like like for instance, I've got a United Club pass. That's six hundred bucks a year. That's six hundred bucks. I can get rid of that. Other memberships that I have, I can probably get rid of that I don't need right now. Services and things like that. You just got to get you got you got to tighten things up a little bit. Uh, software services, and even maybe some 1099 like human resources employees that maybe help you right now when things are going well, but when things get tough, you may need to cut back on that. The bottom line is this though, when you get revenue in, keep it in the business. Now's not the time to be using it to uh, fund personal things. It's got to stay in the business to keep your business solvent. Okay. So that's, that's what I recommend. Any thoughts on the finances? Grant, you're really good with this. Yeah, you know, the the speaking industry as a whole, there's there's huge, huge ebbs and flows. And so I remember this early on in my own speaking career where you might have a month where you just made bank and I, I did a bunch of gigs and like money was just pouring in. It's like, holy crap, this is awesome. Being a speaker is amazing. And then you might have another uh, a month, let's say December. December is just a historically slow month for speakers. There's usually not a lot going on around the holidays. And so you may not have anything coming in, right? And so you need those huge months where you're, you're raking it in. You need that to be able to offset those slow months. And so if we were to have a slower time uh, in the economy or, or the business were to slow down at all, you want to make sure that you've got those cash reserves there. So like you said, even within the speaker lab, we keep a significant amount of cash on hand uh, and cash reserves, because what I always like to say is I like sleeping at night. I don't want to worry like, holy crap, we got to make ends meet today in order to pay for it tomorrow. Like that, that never should be a question. And so having that cash reserve and having that, and so if you don't need it, great. It's, it's, it's there if you do need it. Uh, and so it helps you to to uh, to to rest well at night and have more com- comfort and confidence. Okay, what's the uh, the last and final strategy that speakers need to be uh, employing right now through a uh, potential recession? Be flexible. Now's not the time to be rigid. Listen, event planners are stressed. They're human beings, man. They they're trying to just get through it like anybody else. Don't be a cause of further stress for an event planner. They're going to remember that. Good or bad, they're going to remember what it was like to work with you. Good or bad, they're going to pass it on. It's a small world in the speaking world. And if you your name gets out there that you're really good, that's great. But also can get out there that, hey, man, this, this person was a really big pain during this time. That's going to get out there too. So don't be rigid. So here's some things you got to be prepared to do. You got to be prepared to do things you normally wouldn't do to support events. Because you got to remember, sometimes these event planners are just trying to get this thing to go. And things might be falling off. 
down all around them and you're going to need to support them. We mentioned it earlier, but discounted rates, just be prepared. I know I hear sometimes speakers say, well, my, my thing is worth 10,000. No, it's not. It's worth whatever the market says it's worth. And if the market says it's worth 5,000, then that's what it's worth. And you just have to get over that and work within the market. Um, you may have to cover, cover other speakers. Now, what do I mean by that? This has happened to me a lot uh, lately, actually, where I've gotten calls from event planners to, hey, the speaker can't come, Eric. Uh, can you do their breakout? Can you do something further and do the breakout session? What you don't want to do is say, okay, I'll send you an amend amended agreement with more cost. Don't do that. Just take care of them, right? Don't make it hard. Just take care of them. I guarantee it. They're going to take care of you. Don't worry about it. I did this once recently where they said, Eric, can you go ahead and cover this? I didn't mention price. I didn't mention anything. When it was done, you know what they said? Eric, go ahead and send us an invoice for that. I let them mention it. I didn't mention it. I had this happen. And this, this is something where you go way out of your comfort zone. They said, Eric, the speaker's sick. They can't come. Can you speak on their topic? The grant, could you speak on your, I normally wouldn't do that, but it was close enough to what I do is on customer service. I said, all right, listen, I may not be able to do it exactly the way they do it, but I can cover you for this. And I did, I took care of them. And guess what? They came back to me later and gave me more business. I guarantee it was because like, man, this guy's legit. He takes care of us. These are things you wouldn't normally do, but listen, we're in abnormal times. Be prepared. Get ready for irregular configurations, okay? The event planner may be trying to cut costs and maybe they got a smaller room than they normally would use. Maybe they're not using a professional um, uh, you know, uh, sound team and maybe they're just trying to cut costs. So be prepared. It's not gonna be what it normally is and don't make a big deal out of it. Just work with them. Also virtual versus hybrid versus live. What I mean by this, and the hybrid is the one that I think gets a lot of speakers really kind of messed up where you go speak, but they say, oh, by the way, 50% of our audience are going to be dialing in and you can only move at this part of the stage. You got to make sure you acknowledge this other audience. It's awkward. It's weird. I don't know if you've ever done a hybrid event, mm -hmm. but it's very awkward. And so just be prepared to be loose with that. Don't be rigid with that. And then you'll be fine. And then finally, just remember one thing I mentioned before is whatever you do during this time, it's going to come back you're going to invest in either negative or positive. It's going to come back tenfold. It's going to come back tenfold negative or tenfold positive. Just remember what, how you want to be remembered when we get on the other side of this. Yeah, very well said. Uh, in fact, just this reminded me um, literally a couple of days ago, again, I was at the National Speakers Association, their national convention, and, and had a lot of speakers who were coming up saying, hey, they, they follow the Speaker Lab, or they listen to this podcast, or they've read the book, uh, those sort of things. But also had several people who said, hey, you were really helpful throughout the pandemic and early on in the early stages there. Like we really, I really appreciated how, you know, you, you provided some extra help and extra support. And so all that to say, like people remember those things when you go above and beyond to help someone else, whether that be for a client or an audience or a company or an organization that you work with, people remember that. And at the end of the day, a thing that we say a lot here is that speaking is a relationship business and people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And so again, let's also, let's also be super clear here that Eric and I have no crystal ball whatsoever. And the reality is, is nobody has any freaking clue what's going to happen with the economy or the world. I can tell you sometime in the next several years or decades that you're in the speaking industry, there's going to be highs and there's going to be lows. And some of that may be way outside of your control. Some of that may be some mistake that you make. It could be any number of things, but that's the nature of business. That's the nature of being an entrepreneur. That's the nature of being a speaker. So again, those five strategies, just to recap one more time, number one, invest in yourself. Number two, lean into virtual. Number three, develop partnerships with event planners. Number four, secure and take care of your finances. And finally, number five, be flexible. Eric, any other final words before we wrap up? Yeah, what I would say, 
no matter what happens, Grant, the speaking industry is thriving. It is hot right now. I'm out there, man. I'm out there in it right now. It is hot. It is thriving. If you want to be a speaker, don't, don't focus too much on the fear that surrounds just general life. If you've got a message and a desire, there's an audience that wants it, that message. And just lean into that. And I want to encourage everyone that's listening to this, no matter what's going on, the current reality we're in, the speaking industry is going to be there. And so just lean into it. It's a great lifestyle. It's fun. And I look forward to seeing folks out there on the speaker trail. All right, there you have it. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab podcast. Now, I want you to know that we do this podcast simply because we want to serve and support speakers like you. We don't charge anything for you to listen, but in return, we do have one small favor to ask. Would you be willing to subscribe to the podcast where you're listening right now? Hit that subscribe button. Also, leave us a rating and review within iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to these podcasts. We read every single one of them, and they also help other people to find the show. Also, if you are looking to take the next step in growing your speaking business, be sure and check out thespeakerlab.com. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com. We've got a ton of free resources and tools there, and you can also learn more about the programs that we offer, which include one-on-one coaching. Our mission here is to help you find the confidence, clarity, and clear path that you need to own your speaking success. So again, check us out over at thespeakerlab.com. As always, we appreciate you hanging out with us, and we'll catch you next time. You're awesome.